crowd. Um, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll finish up Acts today without looking at your notes. Who knows how many weeks we've been in Acts? Dang. Way to go, Rain Man. That was awesome. <laughs> Pastor Johnny down front, our resident thesaurus and dictionary. Yes. Did you just know that off the, like? Ah, you cheated then. You cheated, Pastor. Okay. Um, man, it's, look, here's a summation of Acts. What we've learned is this. Paul, regardless of situation, speaks up, he speaks out, and he tells the truth. Whether he's getting beaten, whether he's in jail, whether he's shipwrecked, whether everything is going well, whether nobody is hanging around with him anymore. He speaks up, he speaks out, and he tells the truth. So I would ask today that you consider in your life and, and me and mine, are we doing those things? There's a, there's a phrase that I hear from uh, a lot of guys I disciple. Not a lot of them, but men I meet at the, at the gym, other Christians I see. They will say things like, well, I was going to say something, but I don't want to offend them. I'm so tired of hearing that makes me want to throw the podium against the wall. I don't want to offend them. May I just submit to you that you're going to offend someone. You're either going to offend Jesus and, and be sweet to your friends, or you're going to offend them with the truth of the gospel that can save them and honor your Savior. And we see Paul, we see Paul do these things. So let me pray. Turn in your Bibles uh, on your app. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you have that uh, on your, um, your hard copy Bible, if you brought that, which is really cool, uh, Acts 28, 17 through 31, 54th week in Acts. It's pretty cool. I have, have a map for you because that's what I do. Um, as you're turning there, let me give you just a, an update. And I've read Acts many times, but this is the first time I've taught through it, and I feel, I feel like I've learned a ton. So this is Paul's fourth missionary journey. And, uh, and let me just say this, because uh, my responsibility is to irritate all of you to love and good works, Hebrews says. This is Paul's fourth missionary journey, and some of you that have been Christian for years have not taken one missionary journey. And I would just encourage you, exhort you, beg you, um, and I'll go with you to get on the mission field, to see things that you cannot unsee. Uh, we can... We have Mexico right next to us, which is in complete civil war right now. I don't know why we don't call it that, but cartel owns Mexico, okay? It's becoming the new manufacturing hub of North America as China has become in Asia. And it's going to be a problem in the next many years. There are brothers and sisters down there that love Jesus, and, and they're being tre treated horribly. Trafficking comes from Mexico right now. Let's go on mission field. Is it dangerous? Yeah, it's dangerous. It's more dangerous to stay here, though, and do nothing, okay? Uh, I can take you to Africa. Africa, the first country I went in Africa, I thought I was going to go into shock in terms of, I couldn't, I couldn't qualify what I was seeing with what actually was. You know what I mean? So we as a church need to join our older brother, Paul, and go on mission and stop worrying about, are we going to, offend somebody. Goodness. We never see Paul saying that. This is his last trip. He's going to be released after two years in Rome, where he's going to write four books, by the way. We'll talk about that in a minute. 
Um, and then he's going to be released. He's going to go visit all the churches, some of the churches that he's planted. And guess what he finds? First century church, brand new. Uh, Holy Spirit is moving. People are being healed. People are not afraid to speak up for the gospel, even if their families are separated or if they're fed in alliance. What, what does he find that's happening in the churches? Complete disarray. Issues, problems. So we, modern day church, did not invent the problems of the church. They've been happening since the beginning. So you're in good company. I'm in good company. If you're a little jacked up, if you have issues still, then welcome to the church. Okay? That's what we're going to see. Then he's thrown in prison again. Um, and at the end of that tenure, he's beheaded by Nero, who uh, his name was Little Boots who was a child molester and an, an abuser and a murderer and a rapist and a horrible, horrible, demonic-filled leader. That's who Paul's beheaded by. So the end of his ministry is horrible death. It's martyrdom. So is that, a, is that a win or a loss? It's a win. It's a win. It's a win to give your life for Christ. And so your calling and my calling with brokenness and all the ways we miss it, right? is to get up after we fail and, and, and to begin to walk further a little bit. I'm going to give you a phrase that I've been using in my own recovery from knee surgery and other things. Um, you and I, and Jesse and I were talking about this this week, you and I, we've got to love the mountain. We've got to love the mountain. And, and, and it's, it's steep and it's precarious and it's hard, and it will break you some days, and it will hurt you, and you will feel despair and pain and issue, but you have to love the mountain. This is your calling. I think a lot of us know this, that when we really embrace hard moments, over and over again, we're taken to that place of, I don't know if I can do this. That is the place you're to be, Christian. That is where you're called. Not, I'm pretty comfortable, look at me. Dang, I'm like doing all the things. High five, Trinity. No, it's brokenness constantly. It's brokenness. And that's what we see in Paul. And what's imparted sometimes not in Scripture is the humanity of his moments. Paul was a human just like me and you, but he loved the mountain and he faced it every day and he climbed it. And that's what we're called to do. Um, pull up the map, I'll show you. Some of you guys are getting used to this map. Why, why I show this a lot is because as you read with your family, with yourself, your wife, when you share acts in the future, I want you to visually see the process, the overwhelming odds that were against these missionaries back then. This is his, la this is his trip to Rome. Now, remember he's in Jerusalem and he's brought up on charges by his local people not by people outside the church, people inside the so-called church uh, in the temple. And he's sent to uh, Caesarea, where he has to wait two years for trial. And then finally, he's sent to Rome to appeal his case to Caesar. That alone takes six months. And then when he gets there, he's going to have to wait another period of time. But this is his journey. He never comes back to Jerusalem again. And he, remember... Uh, in his last missionary journey, as he's headed to Jerusalem, he's telling people, I'm never going to see you again. Never gonna, I'm never going to see you again. Scripture, Acts 28, 17 through 31. Let's pray. You ask the Lord right now to speak to your heart. I'll ask the Lord to speak through me because I'm a broken sinner. Uh, but I know Jesus. 
So I've been saved, and that is what I hold on to. It's what you're called to hold on to. Those of you that aren't believers, that's all the only option you have. That's all you got. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, here's what we ask. You're the king. You're the courageous one. You're the one that gave his life. You're the one that lived for us. You're the ones that taught us how to think about prayer and worship and confession and, and repentance, money, family, calling, purpose. And we are called to be under your authority, Lord. So we, we pray right now that you would speak. Uh, I would ask that you would send your angels to surround this room right now for your glory. And if your space in us is one more minute or 20 or 30 more years, your will be done. Teach us as a people to speak up, speak out, and tell the truth. And truth has a name, and his name is your son, Jesus Christ. Your will be done, almighty God. Amen. Paul's been in Rome three days. He's under house arrest. He has to be in this house for two years, of which he must pay for. You're welcome, right? Go to prison, and you have to pay the rent, okay? Here's what happens. After three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews in Rome. When they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, although I've done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Remember, they took him, then they sent him to Caesarea. After they examined me, they wanted to release me in Caesarea since there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Because the Jews objected, Paul, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. I appeal to Caesar. What he could say as a Roman citizen was like, I disagree with you. I appeal to the highest governmental authority, and that was Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. It is for the hope of Christ that I am in chains. It is a hope of Jesus and salvation for others that we go to jail. It is for the hope of real life in people that don't know Almighty God that we put it all on the line. And our older brother is showing us this. He's serious about what he's called to do. Now, if you're like me, and maybe you are, maybe you're not, I'm watching Paul right now and I'm thinking, Paul, you have opportunity to win some friends and influence people, amen? Be nice, like, don't say the crazy stuff you say. Just be nice. And these are your Jewish family members, and they can help you, serve you, care for you as you're in prison. We'll see if that's what he does. Now, um, just to give you nerds in the audience, to give you an, an up, uh, uh, update, Paul leaves for Rome in the fall of 59 AD. He arrives in Rome in the spring of 60 AD. Remember, he's been, uh, he's been shipwrecked. He's 14 days in the ocean with storms bitten by a viper, which is the worst verse in the Bible to read. It takes him six months to get there, under house arrest for two years, waiting for trial. While under house arrest, he writes the prison epistles for two years. Now, what has happened recently that went about two years that we were all at home? Now, I'm not pointing fingers. I don't need you pointing fingers at me, but I'm going to ask you a question. What did you accomplish two years being under lockdown? And I did say the last service, I'm not asking you to respond to me. <laughs> what did you accomplish during COVID for two years? And somebody in the front row was like, nothing. <laughs> so I was like, well, thanks for confessing. That's good. We'll bless you and pray for you. But let's just ask, intern answer internally, what do you accomplish? Maybe some of y'all 
Y'all did accomplish some things. I know COVID was good for my introverted heart because I like my house. I like my family, and that's, I, I like everything, the food in the refrigerator. I, so, but I, did, I, I do know emotionally over that two-year period, got a little warped, got a little internally focused, and I think that's the key, the question we have to ask ourselves. Um, if that's going to happen again this fall, how are we as Christians called to respond? Now, I, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to respond. You can ask me, I'll tell you. But in terms of your own heart, in terms of however you're called to respond, in your response, you're never called to be eternally, internally focused. You're called to be outwardly focused. So you want to do the thing and listen to the government or not listen or whatever. As a Christian, you're called in your process to be outwardly focused, not inwardly focused. And Paul chooses in this house arrest, and imagine... This was an opportunity for him to rest, amen? He'd been a little busy the past several years. Now he's under house arrest and all he has to do is be still and nobody would, would count him bad for doing it. What he does is he writes four books of the Bible, okay? Uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Pull up the little graph. I found this online. I thought it was super appropriate. Uh, so to the church in Ephesus, cutting edge city uh, that was a major uh, pathway in terms of industry and later becomes almost a ghost town. Uh, first century, the issue is Jew-Gentile conflicts. We, them, they, you. Stop reading ahead. I'm watching all of you do it right now. We, them, like, well, you know, with the Reformed Church, well, the, the Armenian Church, well, the Baptist Church, Presbyterian Church, liberal church, the conservative, whatever, back and forth. That's first century problem, 21st century problem. Chinese-only church, white-only church, black-only church, upper-demographic-only church, reformed-only church, whatever. We, them, constantly. And that's, that's a problem. What's the solution? We're called as believers to realize Christian unity and struggle in that place. It's way easy to just come into a homogenous culture where everybody votes like you, looks like you, talks like you, drives the same kind of car like you, goes to the same restaurants, y'all go to the same places. Yay, everybody's the same. It's like the Truman Show if you ever watch that movie. That's not how we're called to live. We're called to, as the church, represent all people. It's Christian unity. What are we unified in? Christ alone. In Christ alone you have different theology than me, I hear you. Let's have coffee. We can cut it up. Let's study the Bible together, the Lagos, and Sola de Gloria. Let's figure it out together. We disagree. That's fine. Do we love one another? Or are you just looking for an insulated family that can high-five you on all your imperfections? Because that's what happens. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the ingredients of racism. Find people that hate the same things you do. How about we reverse that and find people who love the same things we do and hold to that in Christ. Um, book of Philippians, persecution, prison, death. People were literally willing to make themselves known for Christ and they were murdered for that. Are you ready to do that? Some of you are actually. I think a lot of you are not. I'm not sure if I am. I guess we'll find out one day. But this is where if you train for anything... If you train for how to plant a garden, how many of y'all have gardens in here? A few of you guys. That is an art in itself, amen? You don't just throw seed down and it happens. 
okay? It, it takes work. How many of y'all are tennis players or guitar players? Or you practice with your pistol, or you practice with how to raise children. Like all these things take work. And if we don't practice them, then when persecution comes, we fail. So 21st century problems, ministry, inconvenience. Well, I've got so much on my plate. Wah. Oh, this is not enough time. Well, it's inconvenient. Well, we really want to come to church, Pastor, for one hour and be out. And, and I'm saying to you, listen, the church, we're called, if you're going to serve at Mission Church, you're going to come one service and serve, and then you can worship one service. It's not too much to ask, okay? We're down in childcare today because we have a lot of people out sick. But another reason why we're down in childcare is because a lot of y'all won't volunteer. That's just the truth. So solution for this, persecution. We imitate Christ's attitude. So my 13-year-old was listening to a sermon one Sunday, and, and I talked about the WWJD bracelet, and so she bought me one for uh, my birthday. It's one of my favorite gifts right now. I probably kept it on too long. I may need to wash it, but, you know, that's another deal. Um, what would Jesus do should be something we all apply. What, what would Jesus do right now? He would love first, right? What would Jesus do right now? He'd forgive. What would Jesus do right now? He'd clear the temple. So there's different applications to what Christ has called us to do. But if our focus is on Jesus, we can get a response for how we should respond. Imitate Christ in the moment. That's what you should do when there's persecution and there's prison, there's death. Book of Colossians written to the church in Colossae, denying Christ's entity. Well, you know, gospel is good, but you also need to be circumcised. Hey, hey, you know, gospel is good, but now stop using cuss words. Gospel is good. Keep your hair short. Gospel is good. Vote this party. Gospel is good. Eat organic, like whatever. Gospel plus nothing. It's just Jesus. It's only Jesus is our call. New Age cults. They're alive and well. If you want them, they're available. How do we fight this? We proclaim the name of Jesus. Proclamation needs to be a part of believers today. Not just hide it under a bushel. No, like talk about it. When's the last time you've talked about it? I was at the gym yesterday and I'm, I'm, uh, I was walking by and one of the classes they do, they had in the open one of these giant whiteboards with the pen available. Oh, Jesus loves you. That was a no, right? You, right, Y-O-U. And I just left it there. I want to talk about, in fact, you know what? Next week, I will bring a picture of two guys I hang out with at the gym. No lie, their names are Dominic and Dominique. Coincidence? I'm not sure. I don't know. But they're both six foot seven. They're huge dudes. I took a picture with me and them, and I look like I'm in third grade. So when I talk to them, it's like this. What's up, bro? How you doing? Fist pump. Okay. Um, they know I love Jesus because I talk about him all the time. And, and, and now they know I love them. So when I pass them, I'm always like, Dominic, have a good week. Christ loves you, son. If it angers them, that's okay. All those that God is calling will love it when you say the name of Jesus. Those that he's maybe not called yet will get angry at you. You've got to be okay with the anger if you're going to walk with Christ. So this is five years before trial. Uh, Paul starts his journey before he can get there. And uh, here's the question now. 
Is anyone waiting for a change in the room? Have any of y'all expecting something? Uh, waiting for a loved one to come to Christ? Anyone have loved ones that don't know Jesus? Uh, waiting for any type of need? Maybe you have a sickness, an impairment, an issue? You're in good company. Here's my encouragement to you from Paul. Stop complaining. Just pray. Just pray. And when it gets harder, pray more. Let's get on our knees this year. Let's pray for people. Let's pray for one another. In the, in the, in the aisle afterwards, in the, in the kids' area, on the way out, pray. Pray for your server this afternoon, wherever you go. Be kind to them. Tip really well. Then pray for them. Care for them. My wife and I and kids have prayed for a few servers every time they've cried. I don't know them. People are in pain. Are we going to be a part of the God's solution for them? Or are we going to say, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to offend them. What you're really saying is you don't want them to not like you. So you're the fragile one, not them. Let's, let's buck up a little bit here and do the thing. Verse 21. Now the Jews are talking back to Paul. And they said to him, we haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we want to hear what your views are since we know that people everywhere are speaking against the sect. Uh, it's nice when you can speak for yourself, amen? It's nice when somebody has a question about you and instead of judging you, they're like, can you help me understand? Like, what am I, what am I missing right now? Um, it's also nice when we choose to do that. When we start reading the cover of books, when we start saying, help me understand. Now, this doesn't mean in any economy you have to trust everybody. On the contrary, I don't think you should until people show they're trustworthy. But it doesn't mean that you don't stop loving in that medium either. You know, you, you don't give them your six. Give them right here. I love you. I don't know you. Okay, I, but I love you and let's talk. This is a response to Paul's message. 23, after arranging a day with them, many came to him at his lodging, at his house arrest place. Um, from dawn to dusk, like right now from 6.30 to 8.20, Paul does what? He expounds and testifies about the kingdom of God, which means he unpacks things. He's not sharing his testimony yet. He's sharing what the Bible says. He's sharing, this is, listen, you guys are Old Testament guys. Genesis from Malachi. We'll just teach in that regard. Let's just talk about what it says right now because the New Testament was being written. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. If you're going to tell the truth, you're not going to bat a thousand. Some are going to receive what you say, and you will be surprised at the ones who, who receive what you say. And then others will not, and you'll be surprised at that also. This is a good person. They're moral, and they're nice, and blah, 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 whatever. They should come to Jesus, and their response is no, no interest. And then you think, well, I'm supposed to share with this person, but obviously they're a giant pagan. They're not going to hear me. And that person is the one that gets on his knees, her knees, and confesses Christ and comes to Jesus, and they're never the same and has very little to do with you. You've just been obedient in the moment. And the Holy Spirit, who is fully God, speaks to the soul. Got to have guts to live this way, though. So Paul speaks from four different standpoints. First one, the law, Old Testament. What does the Bible say about the Savior, about Emmanuel in the Old Testament? Is there a gospel found in the Old Testament? 
Even in San Antonio, uh, there are churches that never preach from the Old Testament. Why? Why would you not preach from the Old Testament? I think one of the reasons are it's easier to proof text from the new. If you want to really speak about what you think and what you feel, you can grab one little verse from John and give that verse and then get it out of the way and really share what you want to teach. Old Testament is harder to do that, okay? Old Testament, you got to hear the story. And the story in Old Testament, they're very hard to hear. Newsflash, from my point standpoint, they're hard to tell. Some of them are very rough. And so the Old Testament is filled with the gospel. It's beautiful. First five books of the law, the law is tough. And Paul speaks to them from that passage. Do we see the gospel in the Old Testament? Golly, if you don't, you're not reading it right. Second standpoint he preaches from is the prophets, experience of others, and prophecy. Is prophecy alive today? Alive in today's church? It is, but a lot of it is not. YouTube guys, stop watching so much YouTube people. Some of those morons have two people watching them and, and they have a thousand people online. Be a Berean, check what they say with scripture. There's so many experts on revelation, it's amazing. Why? Because it's sensational. Is there some truth there? Yeah, there's actually some really good Bible teachers. Um, is that gift, is the gift of prophecy alive today? Yeah, it is. But here's 99% of the time, here's what it sounds like. Hey, this is what the word of God says. Hey, can I tell you what, you know, where you are right now, I love you and I serve you. But if you choose this path, this is what the Bible says will happen. Thus saith the Lord. Do you hear my King James come out right there? Do you hear a little bit of that? Listen, that's prophetic. You know, are you called to tell people you're called to build a, Glass Cathedral in Arizona? Probably not, okay? Just stick to what works, and the Word of God works. Hold to it. Live underneath its authority. Pray and ask the one that wrote it to speak to you. And that word in agape, love, and care, which goes out and edifies God, edifies others in the direction of Christ, will become a prophetic voice in your life. Number three, Testimony, Paul's personal experience. Christian, do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony? Nobody can argue with your testimony, by the way. You can't say, well, at seven years old, this happened to me. No, it didn't. No, no, I, it happened. I was there. It's your story. It's my story. You share your testimony and you talk to people about the pain you've accrued and it's happened. Some of y'all don't want to talk about your story. You just shut that off and it's done and I, I hear you. There are parts of my testimony I never want to tell again because I'm embarrassed about them. But at the right time, in the right space, with the right person, the Holy Spirit is going to call you to speak for the glory of his name, not to tell a war story, but tell a truth for the glory of Christ and to show that I'm a broken person just like you and I've missed it and I'm having a hard time, but blessed be the name of Jesus. That's why we share a testimony. Where, where have you been broken down? Where have you been beat down, church? Where have you been disregarded? A lot of you have been disrespected. Maybe some of you have been discarded. It's one of the worst forms of child abuse, by the way. It's just when kids, parents don't care. 
Does this keep you from doing ministry? On the contrary, it empowers you to do ministry. Only in Christ can we do the opposite of what's been done to us. To speak up because of Christ, to speak out about Christ, and to tell the truth. And truth has a name. Its name is Jesus. That's my hope for you guys. Um, a guy in ministry that I know, he came into a position um, really feeling what he could do, his abilities, his strengths, all the awesome resume things, and they all just got tr trampled. And he's beginning to realize, I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure I have what it takes. I'm not sure I can really do what I thought I could do. And my response to him was like, then you're in the perfect place. You finally arrived. It's not about what you can do for God. It's what God will do through you. Hopefully, you feel weak. Hopefully, you feel depleted. Hopefully, you feel broken. Perfect time for Christ to use you. Perfect time. It's the best Best time. Number four is history, what has happened. This involved the following verses. Listen to what Paul says next. This is 20, verse 25. Now, I'm hoping for Paul in this moment, Paul, don't blow it. You, you've got them on your side. You've shared some nice things, but Paul chose to go to Isaiah 26. Let me give a prelude to Isaiah 6. Religion is easy to agree with. Heart change and surrender to Christ is a different story. Majority of San Antonio will agree with religion. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, yeah, God. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But heart change and surrender to an upward calling, way different. That's where the confession of sin transitions into action based on what we know, not just an agreement. Satan knows Jesus is real. Here's what Isaiah 26, and Paul is saying this to the local Jews, the hierarchy in Rome, which was a giant city, by the way. It was huge. Government, um, ultimate entertainment, ultimate sin, like cutting edge, bleeding edge of everything. So these men, Pharisees and Sadducees, were probably pretty well off, had a stake in what was going on governmentally as well as financially in the city. He references Isaiah, the prophet, who was mostly never listened to. Here's what he says. Paul is saying, this is what I've been called to do. Go to these people and say, now he's saying it to them. You always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. United States right now, the churches are filled with people that are listening and they don't get it and they're seeing and they don't understand what they're looking at, okay? For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing. They have shut their eyes. To open, they see, but they don't perceive. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. So when we, when we receive, when we see, when we hear, we must do what? Turn. Repentance means we, we walk a different direction. We choose just to clear the table and make it all new. And we start from that space. So here's my encouragement to you and to me and my family. 
You can hear the truth and agree with it, but never comprehend your call to humble yourself. Your call to forgive. Some of you need to forgive. You're not forgiving. It's a big deal. Your call to stop worshiping self and start serving others. We worship ourselves in a litany of ways, in our diet and what we look at, in, in our comfort, in our care of others, in our inability to see the pain and issue of others because we want our pain and issues to be seen. And we insulate ourselves. You can also see the needs of people, the work of the saints, and the change in people, and never join the effort because you believe are just fine and others are the ones in need. Well, I don't need to be on mission anymore. I've already been on mission before. Well, you know, I shared before it didn't go so well. Well, you know, I've done this, and all the reasons that you give are about your comfort and your care instead of Christ crucified. Instead of Jesus first, our response to him. How are these things possible? Because when we choose not to obey, after we hear and see, and then we choose not to walk this out, we don't hear the truth anymore. It becomes muted. You know, you're watching a show this afternoon, the game, whatever, and uh, you have surround, we have surround sound in our house. We have a new German Shepherd puppy, and uh, we have Apple TV because I can use VidAngel, which I can filter all kinds of stuff out, which is awesome. I highly recommend. And when you're, you're on Apple TV, it goes bloop, 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 bloop. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've had way too much coffee today, so <laughs> I'm just sharing my train of thought here. Bloop, bloop, bloop. So the German Shepherd puppy, a 16-week-old, name's Charlie, you see underneath the TV and bloop, bloop, bloop. She's looking to the left or right of her. She starts barking at it, okay? All I have to do is hit the, paw, the, 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 the mute. Sound's gone. We're in danger of hearing the truth of God. And our response is, I don't want to obey it. And it gets... It's a problem not to hear scary. We don't see the truth anymore. Our eyes are open. It's much like if, if you have any uh, blind friends or family members. Um, in, in, your, in your eye, you, your eyes can be clear. You can't see. And that's scary for you and me. If God shows us these things, if he shows us people in need, if he shows us how to forgive and how to show mercy and how to show grace and how to start sharing all our stuff and our response is like, yeah, I'm okay, then your eyes can be closed and you won't see it anymore. Therefore, we don't walk in the truth anymore. Verse 28, after Paul gives this to the elite, the church leaders in Rome, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. So church, Christ is speaking to you and saying, open up your eyes, open up your ears, do the things. We need to see action based on what you say you believe. We need to see sacrificial lifestyle from you based on what you see you believe. You sacrifice at the gym and at your work. You sacrifice and make money so you can go on sweet vacations, which there's nothing wrong with. But man, why are our lives in Christ not more sacrificial? Me included. Verse 30, Paul stayed two whole years 
his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, right? With all boldness and without hindrance. Bold. Could he have been murdered, killed at any time? Yes. The answer is yes. Still did it. Who do, you, who do you think came to Christ under Paul's watch? I think probably a bunch of the Jewish leadership in Rome. I think a lot of the soldiers. Later, he's literally chained to their elite forces. Guess what Paul did then? Talked to them about Jesus. Just wouldn't shut up. He wasn't afraid of offending anybody. He was super, he was dead set on them, giving them the best news that they could ever hear in their life, Christ crucified. Galatians, Christ crucified. I have been crucified with Christ, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the passage right there. That's the calling. May God bless the, the study of his word today. Communion team, come on down. I'll pray and uh, we'll do communion together and call it a day. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you, we praise you, we bless you. You are, you are the only Savior. There's no other way to God the Father. There is only one God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who is also fully God. For the empowerment that you give us to hear, to receive, to walk, to talk, tell the truth. And Lord, yeah, we, some of us may have to give our lives today, maybe tomorrow. Some of us may have to lose some things, but sacrifice is your calling. It's what you did. It's what the Old Testament was all about. Sacrifice, a sweet aroma to Christ, an act of obedience, the death of ourself, and the focus on your life, you through your death made the salvation available to us, to all who believe. So I pray for the Christians in here today. May they be offended by your word right now. May they be irritated. May they be pushed to change. Step out of comfort zones. Never be the same. I pray for the non-believers that are here. Maybe have anger, malice, issue, bitterness in their heart. Lord, would you arrest that development right now through the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you speak? as only you can, for the glory of your name. In your name we pray, King Jesus. Amen. Church, when you're ready, come to the center aisle, come down front, receive the bread.